0: Two weeks ago, Stephen Sondheim turned 90 years old. Stephen Sondheim, our greatest living musical theater composer and arguably the greatest musical theater lyricist ever. Um, and my nephew, Andrew Moorhead, who is currently a, an MFA student at NYU's Tisch School for the Arts, uh, getting his MFA in dramatic writing, who has also written several musicals on his own, and to celebrate uh, Sondheim's birthday, created a list of Sondheim's top 90 songs. But Andrew, let us just stipulate, before we even get into the conversation, let us just agree to stipulate that I am an old, probably bitter and jealous iconoclastic old poop and that you are a callow and naive youth who lacks wisdom and doesn't need to be taken seriously in any capacity. Is
1: that about right? That sounds about right. I have never seen Follies or Little Night Music.
0: Oh my god, why am I even talking Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 695, 90 Sondheim Songs. First of all, Andrew, tell me about your, what attracts you to the work of Stephen Sondheim?
1: I remember becoming aware of Stephen Sondheim as an artist at the end of high school. Uh, and it was company actually, which was the show that sort of introduced me to his style. I knew gypsy and I knew West side story, but I just knew them as shows. I had no awareness of Stephen Sondheim being a lyricist, um, or, or being a, a part of it. Uh, but, and I remember that led to just a deep dive and I, like with many, I think, teenagers, when you're responding to art, it's, oh my gosh, I can't believe someone is explaining the way I feel all the time. Uh, songs like, you know, losing my mind and are, are you know, all very uh, uh, relatable for a young man in the throes of unrequited love <laughs> or, or uh, something like finishing the hat becomes like, Uh, uh, an anthem of just writing and and, and an artistic process. And uh, I just remember being um, so moved by it and, and struck by the craft and uh, just totally, totally inspired, totally taken away by, by, the world that he creates with his, his music and his lyrics. Well, like you,
0: I uh, um, um, discovered him in, I don't know, middle school or whatever. But then uh, uh, I also was in a production of Company when I was in college. Uh, and I also wrote a musical in college. And, you know, I heard the score of Merrily We Roll Along and, and, and just heard so many of the songs. But the plot called for him to write a pop song that could be a hit. And so he dashes off good thing going. And I just sat there kind of going, well, why do I even bother writing a musical? Because there's no way I'm going to be as good as him. On the other hand, that's liberating because there's no way I'm going to be as good as him. You know, so you can only you can only use him as a model and then go your own way. And you are writing musicals now, too. I mean, that's one of the many things that you are writing. You're writing plays and musicals.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, at the end of high school and going to college, I think it was no accident that I discovered a love for writing at almost the exact same time I discovered Sondheim. And so I've always just used him as um, um, a continued source of inspiration because he is, in addition to being a great artist, I think a great teacher. Uh, His books finishing the hat and look, I made a hat, I think are like the best books on writing I've ever read. The principles that he sets out for lyric writing, I think are completely applicable to all writing content dictates form. And, you know, less is more are things I remind myself probably every single time I sit down to write. Uh, And... Less is more, by the way,
0: a lesson I'm not sure Sondheim adheres to all the time.
1: Well, I mean... (laughs) I think, I think, I think we are always, you know, we, uh, no writer has ever written something that turns out exactly the way they imagined it. We're we're always the worst at following our own rules, aren't we? Um, um, do so as I say, do as I say, not as I do.
0: Right. Um, so let's get to your list. I mean, first of all, you wrote this list when we are all quarantined in the middle of the this pandemic. So clearly right. here's a even a college kid, an MFA student, has way too much time on his hand because he... Ordered ninety of Sondheim's favorite songs, and your top ten. It's a perfectly acceptable top ten. Finishing the hat at number one. Color and light from uh, uh, is number two. S- Sunday in the Park with George might be my might be my favorite Sondheim show over Sweeney Todd. Losing my mind. Um, marry me a little at three and four. Um, uh, marry me a little. This is where I start to you start to lose me. Being alive. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Could I leave? I uh, see. I'm not as big a fan of, of company as as many people are. Um, could I leave you? Could I leave you from uh, from um, from follies? Um, yeah, worst pies in London. Send in the clowns. Another hundred people and a little priest. Any list that has a little priest in the top ten is okay, K. But I think there's there are plenty of arguments to be made that a little priest could be number
1: one. I mean, a little priest is a brilliant song. It's yeah. the the wordplay itself is just. Next level. It's it's just absolutely insane.
0: So what were the criteria that you used to put this list together?
1: Basically, I knew... I brainstormed a bunch of songs that I knew were my favorites. And basically, I just started with number one, which was Finishing the Hat, which I always knew was going to be number one. And why? Why? Because... It is. It's going back to what I said at the beginning. It felt like, oh, um, I remember discovering that song in college and thinking, "Wow, someone is describing the way I feel all the time." I uh, uh, some would call it a spaciness. Uh, living in a kind of uh, uh, dream-like state. Uh, oh, Andrew, where are you? Where are you? You know, uh, we're right next to you. Where are you? Um, and to have someone articulate that, uh, and and like, I just found incredibly uh, powerful. It's one of those moments where you're like, oh, I'm not alone in the world.
0: And it's a great. It, it's almost. It's almost an artist's summation of his entire life. You know, and 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 the work that he does, and I just heard uh, the uh, Terry Gross's uh, r- r- rerun of her interviews with Sondheim, and he talked about that same thing about finishing the hat, which is it, it it it's a it's a song about that fugue state that you get into when you're working on something, and it takes your entire. And I know I wander around the house, you know, now when I'm working on something, I'm just a half a step behind. You know, somebody asks me a question or something. Um, you always knew it was going to be number one. And so then you went on from there.
1: Then I went on from there. And then it just became a matter of just comparing a song. And I just thought, does this go, do I like this song better than the one that I just had or worse? Yeah. And then I would either put it below it or above it. And I just went through that with 90 songs where I thought, okay, I like this song better than this song. Put it up one spot. Oh, I like it better than the next one. Yeah. Moved it up. And so it was just, it was sort of a ladder, building a ladder that way, just sort of moving things up and down one at a time until I thought, all right, this seems, this seems about, this seems about right. So there was, there was was a little method in the madness. What,
0: um, as I look at your list and, um, and, and, and so we went back and forth on Facebook too, because you had ranked some of my favorites lower down. Uh, and that's always fun that's the purpose of these lists too is to start ridiculous arguments um that's right uh uh but it, 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 if i it, if i can summarize your priorities you, you the list seems to include more songs that are like mini little plays that take you out of the play you're in that I would prioritize like marry me a little i'm I'm more drawn to the songs that display all the wit, all the cleverness, all the emotion, but actually forward the plot or reveal an important aspect of the character, not just an interesting one.
1: Yeah. It sounds like you're more of a, uh, like you would perhaps, for example, put my friends higher because it's essential to, to revealing something about the character. I, uh, I guess, you know, it's, I think the list being like that is probably a function of just how I discovered Sondheim, which was cast albums, not from seeing the shows. Uh, I mean, I had listened to Sweeney Todd dozens of times before I ever saw the show. Um, And I, I would even argue that I, I had crazy ideas in my mind, which were, I should just make the top 10, the first 10 songs of Sweeney Todd (laughs) because the first 10 songs of Sweeney Todd are such a, unified movement Mm -hmm. they just flow so perfectly with each other and complement each other so well that everything from the first whistle all the way through my friends is probably like the most perfect thing ever written um that i should just make that the top 10 and then just start filling in from there so i definitely had that consideration but i think in the end you you listen to songs individually and it's those individual moments that just—those are the things that stick with your heart and soul, uh, and you start thinking less and less about about plot and character, I suppose. Hi, I'm Ken Ludwig, a playwright and author of *Lend Me a Tenor*, *Crazy for You*, *Baskerville*, and the new book *How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare*. And you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast.
0: Where can you RSC the RSC? As of today, April 6th, 2020, all of our live performances originally scheduled for April and May of 2020 have been postponed until 2021, except for our two performances of Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel, which have been optimistically rescheduled for this July 12th, 2020. As of right now, our two weeks of performances of the complete history of comedy abridged at the Hartford stage in June are still going ahead, and we will let you know if or when that changes. We've created a brand new page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, where right this second, you can watch us perform many of our epic abridgments from the comfort of your own shelter in place. Right now, you can see The Ring Reduced, where we transform Wagner's 17-hour ring cycle into a brief and palatable 23-minute musical film. Lost Reduced, where we cram the first five seasons of the landmark TV show Lost into 10 minutes. Our appearances on two Jeopardy tournaments of champions plus some brand new videos recorded and shot especially for right now by me and Matthew Croke. We'll continue to add to this page, so be sure to bookmark it and keep hitting refresh. You can grab your own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare written by me and Reed Martin and beautifully illustrated by Jenny Mazels. It is perfect if you're homeschooling little children right now, little children of any age. It's on sale worldwide and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. You can hear us via this podcast and other recordings available at Apple Music. If you're working from home or binge listening, now would be an excellent time to leave us that five-star review you've been planning to leave. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for The Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with my nephew, Andrew Moorhead. I was asking him whether his list of the top 90 Stephen Sondheim songs had evolved since he first posted it. Have any of my stupid arguments or any of your other friends' stupid arguments uh, changed your mind at all?
1: A couple. I was I was talking to my friend Jordan last night, who who is another Sondheim savant, and he was very disturbed by the lack of representation for both Saturday Night and the Frogs.
0: Here's what I think I, about your friend Jordan. Oh,
1: I God. I, <laughs> I went back I went back today and I I re-listened to both. You know I wanted to give them consideration and I did add one additional song from Saturday night, uh, which was, no, it was so many people. Uh, I did not add anything uh, from the frogs, but yeah, it did change. But I I do have to say that when I was making the list, there were definitely things that I put really high just to like make a personal statement, like putting (laughs) marry me a little right above being alive in a list is very much like, you're making a, a strong statement. You're you are
0: saying you're planting your flag. You're
1: planting a flag, and there was definitely some of that. Putting color and light, number two. That's just like that's another playing the flag. And and you Facebook messaged me saying talking about now, which the whole thing about now is just comparing books. Which just to point out, in finishing the hat, even Sondheim cops to the fact that those. Literary comparisons that he does at the end of now never get a laugh. Even he says that. <laughs> uh,
0: um, yes, but it's that's actually not what I um, love most about n- now. It, you know, I would have put that the trio that trio of so- songs now soon later, which I don't think appear on your list at all. You know, at least in the top half of the song because little night music is it's a song it's a score written entirely in three-quarter time and he's written three songs now soon later that 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 echo each other lyrically and also reveal and set up three of the main characters of the show i mean it's it's a masterful piece of dramaturgy that he's accomplished with also some incredible rhymes in there um Yeah, I think sometimes tough on himself for sometimes the wrong reasons. (laughs) For instance, um, uh, another thing that I yelled at you about uh, is that really terrible, terrible, unnecessary song, Something Just Broke, that he or somebody decided to add to the end of Assassins, which was a great score on its own, and then somebody felt like, oh, well, we should explain that something just broke in all these people. You just showed us a show in which every, yes, something just broke. You don't need to underline it and make it assassins for dummies by adding this stupid song, Something Just
1: Broke. But is something just broke referring to the assassins breaking, or is it referring to the innocence of America breaking because JFK was assassinated? Isn't that what the song is about, or am I making that up?
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. I just think if you're going to talk, that's for a program note or that's something earlier. I mean, it's right now, right there placed at the end of the show, it feels like explaining. You know, it feels like a a professor coming out and saying, now, do you understand what happened here? This is really, this show is really a metaphor for the spirit of America. You know, it's just, it's just wildly unnecessary. A show that is already saying exactly what you just articulated.
1: Well, I will say that when you your comment did make me go back and I, I swapped it out for the gun song, which is uh, a better song anyway. Yes. And and uh yeah, gets it well, something a little more eerie, a little more disturbing.
0: And one of the other things I love about about your list is that Every so often I'll think of a song and I'll go, wait a second, did Andrew include this in this list? Because if he didn't, we're going to have words. Um, And fortunately you have included. I I don't think I've thought of one yet that you haven't included with the exception of now, soon, later. Um, So it's good that this is an ever, this thing thing is alive. (laughs) Your list is being alive and ever changing and ever growing, right?
1: It's moving on, it's being alive, it's, yes, yes.
0: So you're in the MFA program, the uh, dramatic, what's the name of the program at, at NYU?
1: It's uh, Dramatic Writing, so I'm getting an MFA in Dramatic Writing, which is just a highfalutin way of saying it's playwriting, it's screenwriting, and it's uh, TV writing all rolled into one program.
0: But which is great, because there's a practical element to that. I mean, you, there are many, many famous playwrights who have come out of the NYU's playwriting program, but very few of them are making livings as playwrights exclusively. They are writing for film and they are writing for television. So, for them, for NYU to acknowledge that and just call it dramatic writing uh, is it, great. It's a very prestigious program you got into. I, 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 I'm giving you crap on 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 the Facebook, but uh, uh, really, I need to I need to be slightly more respectful to you because this is a pretty impressive program you've been in.
1: Well, thank you, thank you, and and the reason I went ultimately is so that. I could have my MFA so I could be on the same intellectual level as you so that we could I could hang with you in in just these kind of debates so so I'm putting it to good use already but no you 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 do bring up a great point about the program i mean yeah and, and even some of our greatest current playwrights are also writing for the screen um uh the one that jumps to mind first off is brandon jacob Jenkins, who wrote for Watchmen this past season. Mm. There's so much crossover now in the industry between theater and TV. So many TV shows look for playwrights um, and so many playwrights look for TV jobs that it just makes, I think, both artistic and kind of practical career sense to go to a program like that.
0: And and when you come out of this program and and when you're done writing roles for your parents, will you be writing roles for your aunts and uncles and cousins?
1: Austin, you know I've already done that. You're setting me up. That was such a setup. Yes, I wrote a play and then cast your daughter, my cousin, the brilliant Daisy Titchener, in it. And she came out to Los Angeles and did it. Yes.
0: Yeah, I'm not worried about Daisy. I'm worried about me. It's all about number one. (laughs) Oh,
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
0: That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. You've heard ours. Now send us your two-bit opinions about Stephen Sondheim's oeuvre via email to feedback at ReducedShakespeare.com. I'll post Andrew's list on our podcast page so you can check out exactly what song is where, according to him. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduce Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Thanks as always to Sorry Grateful Matthew Croak Web Services by Ginger Power Limited Music by John Weber and Garage Band Our Random Fan Shout Out this week Goes to Marietta Zilich no reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Ken Ludwig, the Tony and Olivier winning playwright and book writer for such shows as Crazy for You, Lend Me a Tenor, and dozens of other plays and musicals. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe and stay home. I'm Austin Tishner, 695, thousand and eighty-fifths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Dude, you can, there's, you can set much higher bars for yourself. <laughs>